John chapter 19, verse 25. Now, don't get your hopes up, but I did let first service out early. Having said that, I feel a certain freedom with you guys because you're a little more spiritual. So, just kidding. John 19, I'm just going to read a couple of verses this morning, verses 25 uh, through 27. And uh, you're welcome to follow with me. I'm reading from the ESV, so it might be a little different from the translation you have, but you'll get the gist for sure. John 19, 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Again, I, I know I, I said this last service, but it's even just reading it, sometimes I just sense, Lord, that there's power in your word. And there's something so wonderful about reading things you said. And, and Jesus, we're here and we're saying, Lord, would you speak to our hearts on this Mother's Day? Would you meet us, where, whether we're a mom or not? We just pray, Lord, we want to hear from you. And, and we want to leave this place more in love with Jesus and more just enamored with who you are. And so, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, come and give us soft hearts like that soil you talked about in your parables, Lord, where you said some of the soil was good and some was rocky and some had weeds. And when the seed fell in, just depended on how that soil was. And we want to have good hearts, Lord, ready to receive your word that it might bear fruit in our lives. So, Lord, give us that, we pray. In Jesus' name and for your glory, all God's people said. Amen, 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 amen. Well, I know a lot of you guys know me, some of you don't, but um, I had the privilege for almost 18 years of pastoring in Oregon at a Calvary Chapel on the north coast of Oregon, and I, I did a lot of Mother's Day sermons during that spell, and, but I've never done one from this passage, so this is new for me too. Um, but it's interesting because when Pastor Steve asked if I would fill in this morning for the Mother's Day message, um, I sat down, I was praying about it, and this passage just kept coming to my mind, and I'd like, no, that's not going to work, and I'd go to a different one, but this one would keep coming up, and so I'm here out of obedience, and I feel like God has a word for us this morning, and quite frankly, I mean, you picked up on it, this is a heavy word, this is like during a very, very heavy time, it's during the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What we just read right here, actually, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, if you put together Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, all four of them, there's seven recorded sayings of Jesus from the cross. This is one of those seven sayings, the third, if you want to be precise. This is something that was recorded of him literally hanging to death on the cross, and he speaks from that cross and says something, and this is what he says, and phenomenal what is this? This section is, in essence, Jesus taking care of his mom. 
in, in his worst hour. An amazing, amazing scene. You guys know the story of the crucifixion. I won't go into a ton of detail, but, but I just wanted to kind of make sure I get some of the story here. There he is, Jesus, on the cross, crucified. We'll talk about that more in a second. He's hanging there, and through the, the, the blood and the sweat and everything in his eyes, he sees his mom, Mary. And he says to his mom, woman, which he wasn't like, woman. It was more like, whoa, man. No, just kidding. It was, um, <laughs> sorry, I was about to quote a movie to my friend there. Anyway, um, he, when he says woman, it's gune in the, in the Hebrew. It's a term of endearment. It doesn't mean like he was like male chauvinist, say woman or something like that. But he's very tenderly says, woman, behold your son. And he's directing her attention to, as it says here, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now we, if you've been around your Bible, you know that's code for John. Jo this is John's uh, uh, gospel. He wrote this. And whenever he's referring to himself, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Why? Because he's just fully mind blown all the time that Jesus loves him. So like that defines him, right? So if you want to refer to yourself as like Luan, the one that Jesus loves. Luan, you have the freedom to do that or whoever. I don't know why I picked on Luan just because he's right there. But we're the ones that Jesus loves as well. But the point is, is that here's Jesus. He sees his mom and he sees, I almost said Luan, but it's not. It's John. And he recognizes, listen, what's happening here? He realizes he's being crucified. Will he rise from the dead? Of course. But he's going to ascend. But, so he's, he's leaving this season, if you would, of his life. He knows his mom has need. And what's he doing? He's just very simply taking care of his mom's practical needs, saying, John, from now on, I want you to take care of my mom. Mom, John's going to take care of you. That's, in essence, what was happening there. Isn't that amazing? And, and there's a lot to that. By the way, there's some questions that come up. First question is this. Why didn't Joseph take care of Mary? But most people believe that Joseph is probably dead at this point. Joseph being Jesus' half-father, stepfather, half-father? Anyways, you guys know what I mean. Um, there's no record of him after Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was 12. Most people think he passed away. But what's also fascinating, and this might blow some of your minds if you kind of came up in a Catholic background, Jesus had four other brothers, Mary had four other sons, but he didn't say to one, to, 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 to any of those guys, hey, take care of mom. They weren't there. Why? They didn't believe in Jesus. They made fun of Jesus in John chapter 7. Now, after the resurrection, those guys fully come around and they put their faith in Christ. But my simple point is this, is that Jesus said something in Luke chapter 8 and in other places when they were, you know, they're saying, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside. He says, who are my mother? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Do you guys remember that? It's those who hear the word of God and obey it. My, just simple kind of an aside point here is that when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were born again and you were born into a family. Amen? I mean, for better or for worse, we're a family. And sometimes your, 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 your church family is actually closer than your blood family. And Jesus was saying to John, take care of my mom. And so that's, in essence, what this little couple verses is, is talking about. And I, what I want to do this morning is basically just draw out two 
things to, to, do, to give our attention to. And you can jot them down if you're taking notes. It's really easy. It's not super, like, complicated. They're pretty simple points. Um, but I just want to kind of marinate in them, if you would, for a little while. Point number one that you can jot down is this. We're going to look at, number one, um, the undying love of a mom. Mary. The undying love of a mom. It's going to have a real simple application to that, too. Number two, we'll look at the unbelievable, underline, 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 unbelievable compassion of a Savior, Jesus. The undying love of a mom and the unbelievable compassion of a Savior. So we'll start with that first one. Um, the undying love of mom. I'm not a mom. You can quote me on that. Um, I am a dad. I have four amazing children. I know what it's like to be a parent. And I'll tell you this. There is no greater honor on this earth than to be a parent. Can I get an amen? I'm an amen pastor, so get them warmed up and ready because I'm going to need them. Um, there's no greater honor than being a, a parent. There's no greater blessing. There's no greater responsibility. There's nothing harder in this world than being a parent. Can I get an amen to that one? There's no such great honor, responsibility, all those things. But with parenting, with being a mom, also comes a whole lot of pain and struggle. Well, I'm not just talking about physical pain of delivery, of course, but just the pain that comes along with parenting because your kids are a pain sometimes. There's just pain associated with parenting. And that's true in, in our realm, everyday people, but how true is it for Mary, you guys? Have you ever just, I mean, obviously Mary's a unique case, okay? There's no duplicate. Talk about privilege. She was the young girl that had the honor, the privilege of bringing God himself in flesh form into the world. Crazy. Like women, they knew that would happen. Isaiah talked about, behold, a virgin will conceive. And there was this kind of hope in the back of the mind of some of the ladies. Like, man, I wonder if I would be the one to have the honor to bring the Messiah into the world. But clearly everybody's like, yeah, it'll be some princess in Jerusalem. No, it was some young teenager in Podunk. Nowheresville. And she gets visited by the angel, and she gets impregnated by the Spirit of God, and she gets the honor, the privilege, the joy of bringing the Messiah into the world. How many of you agree that's an honor? That's a privilege, unduplicated. Mary's awesome. So that's great. But do you also understand that with that privilege, with that honor, came a whole lot of pain? What pain? Well, there was the pain of rejection. What rejection? She's carrying the Messiah. Yeah, how many of you guys think people bought that? When she comes up pregnant, when she's engaged to Joseph, and her and Joseph haven't been together yet, and she's like, no, everything's cool. It's, it's, uh, it's by the Spirit of God. Oh, okay, cool, right on. Awesome. No way. For 33 years, she lived under this shadow of shame. And I know in our culture, it's not so much, I mean, that things have changed, not saying it's good or bad. I'm just, it, well, it's not good, but... To be unmarried and, and have a child, but in that culture, that stigma was unreal. 
And there's, there's hints even in the scripture of people mocking her and making fun of her, saying to Jesus, well, we weren't born in sin. You know, saying like, and you were, you're a bastard, Jesus, because your mom cheated. You know, that was the stigma that hung over Mary. So there was that, that pain of rejection. But guys, can you just for a second, and, and I got to hurry this along, can you with me just try to imagine the pain that Mary's going through in this story that I just read? How many of you guys know that when your kids hurt, you hurt? When your kids go through pain, you go through pain. And if you're not a parent yet, you don't, you don't even get this yet. But it doesn't take long after, when your kids are sick, when, when they're little guys and they're sick, you're like, oh, I would rather be sick for you. You know, you would do anything for them. Your heart, it doesn't matter how old you are as a mom or a dad. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. When they hurt, you hurt. And can you imagine the hurt that Mary's going through right now in this situation? You know, we, we just got through the, the, the Passion Week. Passion just means suffering, the, the week of Jesus' suffering and looking at that and obviously the resurrection. And so we've, we've kind of been looking at the crucifixion a lot in the last couple of weeks, and, and I don't feel the need to go into full detail, but just to kind of spark our thinking again, Jesus has been abandoned by everybody he loves. He's been falsely accused. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been mocked in ways that are just unthinkable. Beaten again, beaten again, mocked again, mocked again. Eventually taken to a, a pole where he's strapped down and, and he's flogged with the, with the cat of nine tails that we've talked about. And I don't want to get into the gory details on Mother's Day, what have you, but the point is, is that Jesus was whipped, and he would have been torn apart from the top of his neck to the bottom of his thighs with the skin literally ripped off his body. Blood everywhere. The hair from his beard ripped out. Isaiah says they ripped out his hair. They spit. He's got spit running down his face. He's there eventually being crucified, nailed to a tree, and you have to get the image of the three crosses up on a hill with a beautiful sunset in the background out of your mind because that's not how it went down. When the Romans crucified you, they put you right on the main road and right at eye level so that everybody walking by could spit on your face and so that also it could send a message on that Roman road. This is what happens to people that cross Rome. The cross wasn't a form of execution. Do you understand that? I mean, it was. But you can kill somebody a lot of different ways. The cross was meant to keep you alive as long as possible in a torturous condition so as to prolong your death and agony as long as possible and to send, as I said, a super clear message. This is what happens to anybody who comes against Rome. Again, this is heavy. I know it's heavy. Hang in there. Now, now picture yourself as Mary. And some might say, well, Mary knew Jesus, and she knew her theology, maybe, and she knew that that wasn't going to last forever, and he's going to rise again. You know what? I don't know how much theology or doctrine Mary did or did not know, but I, I'll bet you $10, and when we get to heaven, we'll find out that regardless of what Mary understood theologically speaking about what was happening in that moment, I'll bet you what's all that Mary was concerned about is, that's my boy. Do you understand? On a human level, they're doing that to my boy. They're lying about my boy. They've beaten my boy. They're mocking my, he's dying. And 
though it doesn't give us a ton of detail, being humans, we can fill in the blank that Mary's heart is being ripped out of her chest. And this is what I wanted to point out for this first point. She's there. Amen? Think about it. But she's there. Standing. Where, what does it say? Nearby. Not repulsed by what's happening, not turned away. And by the way, I should probably note this, it was dangerous for her to be there. Did you notice none of the other disciples are there save John? Why? They split. Why? Because they don't know if they want to be associated with Jesus because they're not sure if Rome's going to round up all the other followers and do the same thing to them. Later on, they're hiding in the upper room. Does that make sense? Where's Mary? Right there with her boy, with her baby. Just being there. This is my simple point. I told you it's not complicated. I just praise God, you know, that she was there and she loved him to the bitter end. And, and making the leap now, listen, that's, that's what moms do. Amen? That's what moms do. They're there. You know, in a way, Jesus was causing his mom a lot of pain. Now, granted, it wasn't from anything wrong that he did. In fact, he's on the cross for her wrongs and for my wrongs. There's nothing Jesus did to, to deserve what was happening to him. But by virtue of the fact that he's being crucified, that is causing his mom a lot of pain. How many of us could say we've also caused our moms a lot of pain? Not, and, and it wasn't because we were such good kids and people were treating us unfairly. We were idiots. How many of us in unkind words and stupid decisions and playing the fool and running off with that crowd and doing this and there's mom at home praying and waiting by the phone this is when they used to have phones that were plugged into walls and you'd wait by it crying on their knees praying and it's not until you get later on in life and you grow up a little bit maybe have a couple kids of your own and you're like mom um sorry for being such an idiot but that's what moms do they just stick with you, they're in your corner. And I know this is maybe a simple, simplistic application. Applic application? Interpretation? Just kidding. Um, application is this. Could we maybe just thank our moms for that at some point today? If you can, I, if you can, because I know some have moved on and they're with the Lord or they're just not with you anymore. If you have the means, if you need to, if you feel the need to, if you haven't done it in a while, maybe just say, Mom, thanks. Because you were always there for me. You were always in my corner, and I caused you a lot of pain. And my stupid acts put you through so much stuff, and I just want to say I'm sorry. Amen? Praise God for moms who stuck it out with us. Amen? One more time. Yep, clap for moms. Okay, so that's a very simple application, and I don't mean to stretch it or anything like that. It is Mother's Day, and we're, we want to give attention to moms. Um, but I want to shift the attention, and we'll still keep it in the mom realm, but... Um, Let's talk about Jesus for a second. We look at this story, we marvel at the undying love of Jesus, or undying love of, of the mom. But what about the unbelievable compassion of Jesus? The unbelievable compassion of Jesus. Why, why am I pausing on it? Jesus is compassionate. I mean, we know that, right? Yes or no? I mean, that kind of... Compassion is something that would definitely define um, his ministry. If you read through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, you go, yeah. One of the things you could say about Jesus, he was compassionate. You, you read about, you know, when he was tired and he had his guys with him and they're crossing the lake and, 
and they literally were going to go so they could be alone, and yet thousands of people met him on the seashore where you and I would have been like, turn, run, get out of here. Jesus says, it says he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he went and he ministered and gave and fed, and that's just who he was. The word compassion, by the way, because I know you were about to ask me, according to dictionary.com, is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune and a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. That's one definition of compassion. In the Greek, the, the language is a little more colorful. Um, I don't have the word in front of me, but you can look it up later if you so choose. It carries the idea of a movement in your bowels. That's right. I just said a movement in your bowels. A bowel movement, not what you're thinking, but a movement of your bowels. Why? The bowels in that culture, that was the deepest core part of who you are. Does that make sense? How many of you guys have ever had your heart broken? Uh, that was weird how that took a little time to respond like, okay, I'll admit it. And if you didn't raise your hand, just keep living. Just keep living life. You'll get it broken. When you get your heart broken, we say, we call it a broken heart. Let me ask you this. Do you feel it in your heart? Or do you feel it? You feel it in your gut. You feel like you got donkey kicked to the gut. Your whole, oh, and you can't eat and you can't sleep and your heart is broken. That's, that's why they say that. That's why they say, uh, you know, when they would say a broken heart, wave, oh, my heart, my bowels break for you or something. I don't know how they would say it, but that was the idea. So when it says that Jesus had compassion, it's not some like, oh, I feel bad for him. It's like, no, in the deepest core seat of his emotions, he is churning, and he loves, and he has compassion, and he, he always moves out in love and mercy to alleviate and to help. We know that about Jesus, right? But here's my point, and maybe you're tracking with me or maybe you're not, but I am just absolutely taken back at the level of compassion that Jesus has in this story. I'm not surprised that Jesus has compassion. I'm surprised that when he has compassion, he's being crucified. Do we understand that? If ever there was a moment in Jesus' life where he could make it about him, you're like, can I just have some me time and be focused on me and what I'm going through? No. And I don't mean to make light, but here's Jesus literally suspended on a cross dying for the sins of humanity. Listen, we could talk about the physical suffering all day. I've talked a little bit already, so I won't go over it again. But have you ever considered the mental anguish he was going through? Have you ever considered the spiritual, listen, the spiritual anguish and pain he was going through made the physical pain look like nothing? It's something I don't think we'll understand until we get to heaven. It won't be too many more minutes from this exchange where the sun will literally go black for three hours, and out of that darkness, Jesus will pierce it with this saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at the cross, God was hurling the full amount of his wrath towards sin that you and I have committed on his innocent son. Jesus was our stand-in at the cross, paying our bill, amen? I accentuate that because just to maybe in some way get us up to this level of thinking like what was happening on the cross was way more than just a guy being executed. Jesus was dying for the sins of the world 
and he was crucified before the foundations of the world, which is a mystery to me. It's just something I'm not going to understand until I get to heaven. But what was happening there was deep and painful and hard and through it all. And yet, he takes a minute and says, John, can you take care of my mom? What? You guys with me on this? I, I'm, I'm stymied by that. I, I, did, I don't usually use the word stymied. But I am. I'm taken back by that level of compassion that he would be able to look down on his mom and feel bad for her when he's going through all of that. Wow. Now I just want to make this connection and be at a stretch. I don't know. You can make decision on that. But here's what just was on my heart as I read through that. Jesus looked at that, uh, that excuse me, Jesus looked at his mom that day with compassion and I just want to say this, and I'll address the moms first, though I hope you understand that this application transcends just being a mom, okay? But I want to talk to you moms for just a second and, and remind you of this. He sees you today. He sees you today. And he sees what you're going through. And he sees you with compassion. Not suspicion, frustration, or condemnation. Young mom with a half a dozen kids or maybe two, but it feels like half a dozen kids running around your house and you have no time to yourself and the second you get them to sleep, another one wakes up and you're stepping on Legos in the middle of the night and all you know for a diet is Cheerios and goldfish or whatever and you haven't had an adult conversation in six months, he sees you and he loves you and he's got compassion. Or mom with teenage kids. He sees you, and he has much compassion. He sees what you're going through. He sees how you're dealing with the look that you're getting from your teenage daughter. He sees the battle. He knows what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with. He just sees the battles. He sees the rebellion. He sees the, the, the struggle for independence. He sees all that. Mom, he sees you with compassion today. He sees you, Mom, the mom that wasn't done being a mom, but now you are done being a mom because you're an empty nester mom. And maybe you weren't ready to be an empty nester mom. And maybe you're not even sure what to do with yourself anymore because that's what defined you. You were a mom, and now they're grown up, and they don't need you. And you're dealing with that. And mom, he sees you. He sees you with compassion. Maybe you're a heartbroken mom. Maybe you're heartbroken because you say, you know what, I actually don't relate to the first point. I wasn't there. I, I didn't do a good job in my estimation. I failed a lot. I could have done so much more. When they needed me, I wasn't there, what have you. Listen, brokenhearted mom who's failed, first of all, know that no mom's perfect. But he sees your failings, and he sees you with compassion. He's not angry or frustrated. He's not saying, why won't you more like? He gets it. Maybe you're a, not a mom, but all you want in this life is to be a mom. And you can't understand for the life of you why God hasn't let that happen yet. And you come to church every week and everybody's got their perfect little family. Congratulations, so-and-so is pregnant and yet you're not and it breaks you. And I don't mean to bring up hard things, but this is life stuff, right? 
But I want to tell you something. God sees you. Jesus sees you. And he sees you with a heart of compassion and love. And I don't understand and I don't have the answers, but I know he does. And I know because if he hung on that cross, he's got your best interest in mind. And, and I can tell you that all day, but you just got to trust him. And on and on and on it goes. Maybe you're a mom that's lost a child. Maybe through abortion. Maybe through some tragedy. I don't know, but he sees you today. And he knows that while other people are celebrating Mother's Day, that's a day of grieving for you. He gets that. He sees you and he loves you and he has compassion. Amen. Amen. And listen, I hope you understand. Again, I'm talking to moms because it's Mother's Day. But we do understand this, right, guys? And men and dads and teenagers. And this is, he sees all of it. He sees us with compassion. And I want to, and, and as I close, when, when I say that, don't get your hopes up, but I was thinking a lot about this. And, and forgive me if I can't articulate it really well. I'm just trying to share my heart and what the Lord put on my heart. And sometimes I don't get it out right. But he, he's looking at us, moms and, and all of us, with, with two perspectives. One from the cross, like he saw Mary from the cross. And what I mean by that is that what was Jesus doing on the cross? He was dying for our failures. And understand this morning that he sees you through the lens of the cross, meaning all of your failures, all your mess-ups, all your screw-ups are absolutely 100% paid for in full by his blood. Amen? And mom, you, amen, let's clap for that. And you are robed in his perfect righteousness. You are white as snow. And though you may beat yourself up for the, the things you didn't do or couldn't have done, listen, he's not holding that over you. There's no shadow. There's no suspicion. There's no condemnation. He sees you robed in his righteousness, and he loves you. He sees us through the lens of the cross. And that's enough right there. We could just shut her down right now, worship Jesus on that. That would get us through the whole week or at least till Wednesday because it's true. But I also was thinking about this. There's another way that he's, he sees us. He sees us. He sees us where we're at, no matter where we're at. He sees us through the lens of the cross, but he also sees us from the perspective of heaven. And this is what I mean by that. Jot this down if you want to. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews, it's a deep book. There's a lot of uh, context that we don't have time to get into, but there's a verse I want to pick out. I'll start in verse 23. It says, the former priests, he's been talking about the Aaronic priesthood, if you're following me. If not, don't sweat it. They were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. What he's saying is, in the Old Testament priestly system, a priest couldn't keep going and going and going because he's human and he dies, and so there has to be another priest, and he dies, and there has to be another priest, and he dies. But in contrast to that, he says in verse 24, but he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues or he lives forever. Verse 25, and this is the kicker. Consequently, he, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he is always, excuse me, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Let me, I kind of stumbled on that. Let me read it again, verse 25. Consequently, he, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
Whew, what does that mean? It means even though Jesus looks at us from the perspective of the cross, meaning that all of our sins are forgiven, that wouldn't even be able to be a reality unless what? He raised from the dead. Amen? Jesus did die on that cross. He was put in the grave. Three days later, fact, matter of fact, historical fact, three days later, he raised from the dead. He then, amen, and then he ascended to heaven. Listen, because Jesus ascended or raised from the dead, it validated the cross. In other words, had Jesus not risen from the dead, Jesus would have just been one of hundreds of thousands of people that died on Roman crosses. No big deal. But he said, I'll raise up in three days. So everything hinged, everything he taught, everything he claimed, hinged on whether he would raise from the dead. So since he raised from the dead, whew, we know our sins are absolutely forgiven. Amen? We've amened that already like 15 times. But here's the good news. He's still alive. I know it's not Easter service, it's Mother's Day, but listen, Jesus is still alive. This is what sets Christianity apart from everything else. We don't serve an ideal. We don't serve some method. We don't serve some force. We don't serve some dead God. Jesus is risen, and because he's alive, he's able this morning to help and to save those of us to the uttermost. No matter what it is, mom or dad or teenager or whoever we are, it's not only that we're forgiven for our sins, that's enough to just be stoked forever. But the second part is this. He's alive, and he's here right now, and he says, I not only see you with the eyes of compassion and with forgiveness, I want to help out. I want to help you. That's what he did with his mom. John, take my mom. Take care of her. Now, I, I don't think he's going to appear to you and speak in an audible voice. And He could. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But this I will say. When you draw close to God through Christ, he is able and willing and wants to save to the uttermost. This is where I think, listen, don't lose me on this. This is where I think we blow it a lot. We leave this in the realm of theology and not application. We leave it up here on the top shelf like some theological point. Yes, I believe that Jesus raised from the dead and he has risen with the Father, da-da-da. And it's up there on the top shelf. It's meant to be down here where we say, he's alive and I need him right now. Does that make sense? So whatever it is you're going through this morning, Mom, wherever he sees you or finds you or any of us, not only are you forgiven for the past, but he's here to help you for the present and the future if you call out to him. Don't answer this out loud, but just think for a second. What do you need today? What do you need, Mom, today? I got news for you. It's not found on Instagram. It's not found in your husband. It's not found even at church. It's not found in a pastor. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ, who is alive and well and here and able to save to the uttermost. Need help with your parenting? Need help in your marriage? Need help in whatever? You fill in that blank. Jesus is the great I am, and he is here, and he's the great high priest that lives forever. And the Bible, Hebrews, goes on to say that we can come boldly to the throne of grace for help in time of need. I'm misquoting that, but you guys can look it up. Chapter 4. Amen? That's it. That's all I got. So we got two things. So number one, praise God for moms who stay in the corner. And number two is that Jesus' compassion is off the charts, and he sees you today where you're at, and he sees you through a lens of the cross for forgiveness and from the perspective of heaven where he can help because he's alive 
And with that, let's all stand together. We're not done yet, so don't pack everything up. Don't tune out yet, but let's all stand together for a second as the, the worship team can come on up. I know it's really warm, and we are going to get out of here a little early, but um, I don't want to miss this opportunity because you never know when you're going to get another one. I just want to say this as we prepare to close. If you're here today and you've never received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for your sins, I, I've, I've been talking about it in the sermon, but let me just make things really crystal clear. The Bible teaches that every human being has sinned, and that sin is what has separated us from God. We have a broken relationship with God because of the things we've done. We not only were born with a, a sinful nature, we've all done dirt. We've all done things. And we may think they're small, and we may not think they're a big deal, and our culture says, oh, that's not a big deal, but sin is a big deal. Sin is rebellion against a righteous God. It's high treason, and it deserves death, and that's why the Bible says we are dead and our trespasses and sins. And the thing is, there's nothing I can do to undo the things I've done against God. There's no amount of good works to make up for them. There's nothing I can do to bridge that gap. That's why it's so scandalous, because God so loved us that he sent his innocent son to this world who died innocently, but for us on our behalf, he took our punishment on the cross, absorbed the wrath that we deserved, so that he could forgive us and so that we could be reconciled to the Father. Amen? The bad news is there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's no amount of religion, good works. None of it is enough. I had somebody tell me again this week, well, we all just need to try to be really good people. That's true. We should be really nice people. But there's not an, enough niceness to undo your treason against a holy God. It's not a matter of being nice or moral or whatever. The issue is you're lost and you're broken, and the only way to be reconnected with the Father is through the sacrifice of Jesus who died for you, but he raised up from the dead. And the Bible says it's a free gift. And I know 99% of you maybe know this, but it's okay to hear it again. It's a gift. So, the Father purchased our salvation, and he offers it to us as a gift. If we try to work for that gift, that's an insult. The only thing you can do with a gift is receive it or decline it. If you decline it, God will respect that. He's not going to force his love on you. He's not going to force salvation on you. But if you want to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to be reconnected to the Father, if you want to be, as Jesus coined, born again, then all you need to do is reach out with the arm of faith, and grab that free gift and receive it to yourself. Amen? So what I want to do right now is if you've never done that, I just want to lead in a prayer right now and give you that opportunity. And then after that, we're going to pray for a different thing. But let's pray for this first. So would you guys bow your head and your hearts with me and let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you loved us so much. You sent your son. We stand in awe again of your compassion for lost and broken sinners. It's not like we were awesome, good people that you came to save. We were rebels. And you loved us when we were at our worst. And we thank you for that. Father, I want to pray for anyone here right now that has never made a decision to just receive the free gift of salvation, to take it to themselves by faith. And I pray you give them a, 
courage and boldness right now to open up their heart to you. And if you want to pray this prayer and receive Jesus, I'm going to lead it, pray it, but you've got to do it from your heart. It's not a matter of repeating words, okay? Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you raised from the dead. Please come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be born anew today. I turn to you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And while we're standing, while we're in just a mode of prayer, one more thing. If you're here today, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're just wherever you are in life, and the Lord has spoken to your heart, if you know today that he loves you and that he has compassion on you and he sees you where you're at, and you say, I mean, we all need him, but there's something today where you're like, no, I I need him, need him, need him. Like, I need him today. Like, my marriage needs him today. Like, I'm, I'm going crazy as a mom. I, I can't handle, I need the very person of Jesus to insert into my life. I, I need a supernatural touch from my Jesus today. This is between you and him, but I'm going to ask you to lift your hand as a, just an act of faith of reaching your heart up to heaven. And let me just lead you in a prayer. If that's you, say your own prayer by all means, but let me also lead you in a prayer, and then we'll worship, okay? Father, we want to respond this morning. We don't want to just write down in a notebook that Jesus is compassionate. Lord, we need your compassion. We need your touch. We need your love today, Lord God. Father, I pray that by their Holy Spirit, you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, that we would get it. And Lord, I pray right now for every hand that's extended up to you. Lord, we're not trying to just play church or go through the motions. We're saying here as your children, we need you, Jesus. And you're alive and you ever live to make intercession for us. And you're able to save to the uttermost. And so, Lord, would you come and save us right where we are this morning, right in our mess, right in our stuff. Would you just meet us and would you help us and provide and bring people our way or whatever needs to happen. But, Lord, come. Touch our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And all God's people said, amen. Let's applaud the Lord. We serve